1: The public inquiry into the invoking of the War Measures Act is officially over, and our weekend review will highlight the final week of testimonies from high-ranking government officials. We're also going to offer our general thoughts for the entire inquiry, and we'll marvel at the fact that still, to this very day, not one federal official has had a single conversation with any one of the convoy organizers. And looking over the inquiry, I have come to the conclusion even more strongly than before that I'm happy to count myself among the fringe minority. Dr. Mass Formation Psychosis, no, I read that wrong. Sorry, Dr. Neely Kaplan-Mirth, most known for her love affair with masks, actually won her election as an Ottawa School Board trustee And was trying desperately to reinstate mask mandates in Ottawa schools. Much to her consternation, there are still sane, rational people in our country. And finally, protests erupt in China after chaos and tragedy amidst China's zero COVID policy. China is governed by hard totalitarians with a full-on social credit system and the disappearing of any dissidents. This is truly godless and evil stuff, and it should serve as a warning for us because the seeds of the CCP regime have been planted here in Canada, and as we've seen over the last three years, they are beginning to sprout in our Canadian soil. But despite all of this, friends, Christ is still firmly seated upon his throne. It's November 29th. I'm Andrew DiBartolo. That's Matt Halleck. And this is the Liberty Dispatch. Welcome to the
0: Liberty Dispatch, broadcasting across enemy lines into the Canadian culture war we're thankful to have you tuning in again for a new week with us here on the dispatch and we're happy to get to a bunch of our news but before that we need to do some of our housekeeping here and that is to encourage you to like share subscribe rate review Please interact with our content when you see it because it helps us win the algorithm battle and get our content out to more people. So we would encourage you to do that. We would also encourage you to go over to the FLF Network, the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. That's flfnetwork.com where you can check out our podcast and many other wonderful podcasts on that podcasting network. Also, you can get us on your phone, on demand, through their handy app, which is the FLF app on your Google Play or Apple app stores. You can check us out there. Also, be sure to go over to our website, libertycoalitioncanada.com, libertycoalitioncanada.com, where you can check out all the various things that we are involved in as an organization and also be sure to go down to the page if you have yet to sign up for our email list so you can stay in contact with us also if you go up at the top of the play page we would really encourage you to donate to what we're doing here at the liberty coalition canada because we are pushing to continue to build this institution to continue to get our news and analysis out there to more people. We've just recently announced a partnership where we're, we're taking over Christian week. So we're, we're going to be getting into print media commentary, stuff like that, um, which is awesome. We're really excited about it. And the added bonus to that is if you donate specifically to our news and analysis arm of the Liberty coalition, Canada, you can get a charitable donation receipt for that as well. So we have some really cool stuff coming down the pike, a lot of new stuff planned for the new year that we're excited to roll out. And we would really encourage you, if you would, out of the kindness of of your heart, please prayerfully consider supporting us at Liberty Coalition Canada because we're trying to grow and get you more content so you can look at the world through gospel glasses. You can look at the news that is coming to you from a biblical worldview. So we would encourage you to do that. And then finally, if you would, please reach out to us, info at libertycoalitioncanada.com, info at com to get
1: a hold of us there so if you haven't noticed and if you have been listening to the wrong radio stations or you don't have friends that are crazy like my family that set our tree up probably earlier than we needed to (laughs) christmas is fast approaching and you can be certain that all of the woke and status coffee companies you despise will be offering cute little gift bags with bitter coffee and mugs that were probably the product of child labor, all in an effort to take your money and fund their corporate socialism. That's why I'm thankful for our friends over at Resistance Coffee. They also have a wonderful gift idea for the holidays. Not only does their coffee taste fantastic, they also use part of your money to fund the fight for freedom and liberty in Canada. So head over to resistancecoffee.com LCC. And give the gift of coffee. You can purchase a little resistance, which is two bags of coffee of your choice, one mug of your choice, a lovely resistance gift bag, and some resistance stickers, all for $55 plus free shipping. That's astounding. Or for the seasoned Freedom Fighter, you can purchase a lot of resistance, which is four bags of coffee of your choice, two mugs of your choice, a resistance gift bag and some more of those resistance stickers. This all for $95 plus free shipping. Now, I don't want to sound hyperbolic, but if you really do love those closest to you, get them some resistance coffee. resistancecoffee.com slash LCC to get 10% off your first purchase. And please continue to use that slash LCC when you buy from resistance coffee. So they know that we sent you, and so we can track just how good we are at pointing Freedom Fighters their way. So (laughs) it's resistancecoffee.com slash LCC. Go give the gift of coffee this year.
0: So the first day of the week, Andrew, was, believe it or not, day 27 of the inquiry. On day 27, we had testimony from Canadian Security and, and Intelligence Service Director, David Vigneault. Vigneault advised the Prime Minister to invoke the Act on February 13, while also stating clearly that a threat to national security, as defined by Section 2 in the CSIS Act, was not met. Hmm. Interesting. When asked by Trudeau on February the 13th if he supported the decision to invoke the act, the summary reads as follows. Mr. Vigneault explained that based on both his understanding that the Emergency Act definition of threat to security of Canada was broader than the CSIS Act, as well as based on his opinion of everything that he had seen to that point, he advised the prime minister of his belief that it was indeed required to invoke the emergency act. Prior testimony heard by the commission from deputy minister of public safety, Rob Stewart indicates that Vigneault told cabinet on the 13th at no Point. No point, Zero point. Did the service assess that the pro- protests in Ottawa or elsewhere constituted a threat to national security as defined by Section 2 of the CSIS Act and CSIS cannot investigate activity constituting lawful protest? The protest itself did not pose... A Section 2 threat to the Security of Canada, Justice Centre for Constitutional Freedom, lawyer Hatim Kier asked Vigneault. What was testified to is that we did not make a determination of the event itself. It is a part of our testimony, Vigneault responded. And yet, you still advise the Prime Minister to invoke the emergency ask? Kier followed up. Yes, I did, Vigneault responded. And you did that not because you thought that the protest was a threat to the security of Canada as defined by Section 2 of the Emergency Act, but because you were reassured that the threat of the security of Canada had a different meaning in the context of the Emergency Act? Kier asked again. My testimony was based in part on that, but it was also based on all other information I became aware of during the other departmental meetings Vigneault responded. So there I've heard, you heard go. that
1: before. I've heard, I think I've heard at least once maybe in the course of this inquiry, no, 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 even though I didn't witness it myself, and even though I didn't have any evidence before me, based on what I heard, we went we went ahead full steam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, so- and I, I, I wanted to just point
0: out too, um, you have a well-defined legal standard here that they're going above and beyond and trying to say, okay, sure, yeah, based on says, based on their well-defined criteria. I mean, these are the people who are dealing with uh, Canada's national security, based on their criteria, sure, these don't meet the mark. But based on this vague understanding that, oh, maybe under the Emergency Act, the definition is broader, but they don't really specify on how that is and where that's defined. Yet that's the extra legal basis in which they're determining this is appropriate, despite actually having... The measures in place that clearly show that it's not, that is really, really suspicious. And that ought not to be trusted because over and over again, throughout these weeks, you heard the government say, oh, we were reluctant to use the Emergency Act. We know it's the nuclear option. We wanted to be responsible. We didn't want to set a bad precedent. So we wanted to make sure all options were exhausted before we We came to this point. But then when you really dig deep, Andrew, they're using extra legal criteria to justify their invocation of the act. And they're also using feelings. We've talked about it over and over again. Vigneault has a standard. Obviously, this didn't reach the standard, but he felt in his heart of hearts that they should invoke the act.
1: We need to recast all our government officials. And so I might I, I, I might I might write a new script out because I think in in this movie that is Canada, uh Canadian Security Intelligence Service director is now Judge Dredd. Right? He is now Judge Dread because he is the law now. Yeah. I'm the law. I know what the standard is. I don't care. I'm the law. And so someone needs to meme Judge Dredd with the Canadian leaf with the maple leaf on his helmet. <laughs> Because that's who this guy is. And what we're going to see. And Vino's not
0: the only one, too. No,
1: he's not. So here's what (laughs) we're going to see in the course of this week's testimonies. All these high-ranking government officials are going to say, yeah, yeah, I know. I know we were told this. I know the evidence was this. I know it didn't meet this threshold. But we're tyrants. So we can do whatever we want. That's a paraphrase. They didn't actually say that. Because that kind of honesty and self-awareness Uh, is almost impossible to find in the state lizards that we have elected. But that's basically what they said. We're tyrants. So this takes us to the next day, day 28. And on day 28 of the Emergencies Act hearings, Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino testified that he was aware that the Freedom Convoy did not pose a threat to national security as is required in the act. Previously redacted handwritten notes which were made public Tuesday indicated that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's national security and intelligence advisor Jody Thomas was aware on February 14th, the day the War Measures Act was invoked, that a Section 2 threat to the security of Canada was not met. Commission counsel asked Mendicino... Were you aware that it had been concluded that Section 2 of the CSIS Act was not met? His answer, yes. I was aware that CSIS had conducted, had concluded that Section 2 under the CSIS Act was not met. I was aware of that fact. In order for the government to be justified in invoking the act, the government must first conclude that a threat to national security as defined by Section 2 of the CSIS Act is met. Section 16 of the Emergencies Act states threats to the security of Canada has the meaning assigned by Section 2 of the Canadian Security Intelligence Service Act. So here you have Marco Mendicino saying, I know that the actual justification for invoking the act is found and is as defined in Section 2 by CSIS. And 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 CISA said there's no actual threat, but we're tyrants, so we don't care. <laughs> yeah, we can do whatever we want to do. That's it's, the theme of this week. But we're tyrants.
0: It's truly amazing that <laughs> that that is the case. And again, I, it's it's hard to chalk it up to incompetence because these men are lawyers. They they know the law. This stuff's not really hard to understand. Even somebody who's a lay person and not trained in law can understand that the Emergency acts makes reference to the CSIS Act for this definition. But again,
1: not kids, Matt, kid, you look at a light, like you look at a light post. He, well, <laughs> when it's green, you go. Like my, yeah. my six year old knows when it's green, you go. When it's uh, red, you don't go. And so, what basically they were all given red lights. It's mm-hmm. red. And what did they say? Well it's green we can go like this yes. is, like even yeah. a child understands when it says do not do this mm-hmm. don't and, but they said but we're tyrants
0: and again again this shows that th- the men and women who are a part of this technocratic administrative managerial straight, state they are the lawless ones they want to control every jot Absolutely. and tittle Of your life. And then when it comes to them being held accountable to a legal standard, they play loose and fast to that standard. And in fact, they run roughshod over that standard, run roughshod over your your fundamental rights and freedoms, vilify you as a dangerous fringe minority. Shout out to that. I am wearing the right shirt for today's podcast. Um, Vilify you as a a fringe minority. And then... They do these commissions that are really non-binding and, you know, it's just it's a lot of theater and it's really convenient that they can steamroll people's uh, rights and freedoms, God-given rights and freedoms, those that are laid out in the Constitution and pay no no price for their lawlessness and that's really what's come to light over the last two and a half years andrew is these people who are who are in positions of governmental power they're the lawless ones yep. and this is just evidence of it again let's move on to day 29 of the inquiry on day 29 justice minister David Lametti refused to answer questions about the Trudeau government's decision to invoke the emergency act by routinely citing solicitor-client privilege throughout his testimony. Counsel for the Government of Canada informed the commission that Lametti, who is also Canada's Attorney General, would not be answering any questions about what could be considered legal advice Lametti gave to cabinet regarding the emergencies act. I wanted to put on the record that the government continues to assert and maintain all of its claims of solicitor client privilege. Government council said we will be objecting to and minister, Limetti will be refusing to answer all questions that would dwell into areas of solicitor client privilege. We would observe that we have attempted to find a way to lift the veil that has, um, made such a black box of what has turned out to be a central issue before the hearings, Commission Council said. We just regret that it ends up being an absence of transparency on the part of government in this proceeding. Now, Andrew, this opaque behavior, this lack of transparency by our federal government is also not only just applying to solicitor client privilege in the case of David L- Lametti the attorney general and and the government but we we can't fail to mention that at the 11th hour before the testimony of some of the biggest players in government before their testimony before the commission the uh the government dropped a truckload of documents on uh, those parties that were involved in the cross-examination of the government and their ilk. And they did so by heavily re- redacting documents, and in some cases, literally fully redacted documents to these lawyers that they didn't have time to prepare adequately for cross-examination based on this really dirty legal tactics. So as much as our government officials want to say, oh, this we value this process. We value the transparency that comes from it. A, they had to go through this process. They're not doing it willingly. That's that's a part of the emergencies act. And they wouldn't have undergone it had that not been in the act legally. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, no doubt about that. And and then and then you know next is the fact that Instead of being transparent and upfront and honest from the get go, they're playing political games like this. Where, you know, it, it turned out that it, before Mendocino uh, could be cross examined by the lawyer uh, for the um, Freedom Convoy participants, Brendan Miller, he was actually kicked out of the meeting for re- objecting to these dirty law lawless. Um, law tricks um and and the fact that it appeared that a lot of the redaction was on its face um inappropriate and didn't meet the the requirements for redaction he was kicked out by commission counsel for for raising a strong objection to these political games that uh, that really sunk the you know the, the cross but um it, it, the fact of the matter is they dropped all these documents right before these important people were testifying so they couldn't be fully cross-examined based on all the evidence, which is, I think, just despicable. So Lametti's refusal to answer questions based on solicitor-client privilege is just another example of this opaque behavior. So I just wanted to point that out for our viewers as well.
1: Yeah, I don't know what's worse. I mean, my quick thoughts just on this day are, I don't know what's worse, lying or saying I don't want to say. <laughs> I really don't know how to, right? I don't know how to gauge it because on the one hand, part of me says, you know what? At least he didn't lie, mm-hmm. right? Like we we, we we tell this to people that if someone asks you a question and you don't want to tell them the answer, right? You don't want to tell them the truth. Instead of lying, say, well, I don't want to tell you. Mm-hmm. So it, I, So in a sense, I would prefer that. Because then we know for sure that he's hiding something. He just doesn't want (laughs) to reveal it. But But also better better than what we saw, which was uh, we're going to see this in the light, just flat out lying. Yeah. At least he didn't do that. Yeah. Right. So it's condescending, but he didn't lie to us. And we do have
0: to respect attorney client privilege. That's just the way that um, the law takes place. So in this case, maybe um, having the attorney general go before the commission was not all that fruitful from the beginning um so we do want to respect those sorts of things uh but i think it's just indicative of as i've said of the lack of transparency of our yep. government from from soup to nuts throughout the whole process yep.
1: yeah tra- transparent like transparent like like mud like thick gross <laughs> mud with big huge rock chunks yeah in it.
0: you wouldn't want to go swimming kind of in that lake <laughs> no
1: well you know who does want to go swimming in that lake alligators the, and and gargoyles the swamp creatures in, in ottawa right. <laughs> the yes, swamp they want to swim in, in that they don't want to be in the streets with homeschool moms yeah dancing and eating french toast but they'll <laughs> swim in that vile filth anyways yeah. let's move on day 30 on day 30 we heard testimony from deputy prime minister and finance minister and also chair on the wef christia freeland i'm sure that That plays no role in how she governs in Canada at all, whatsoever. Anyways, during her testimony, Freeland described the Freedom Convoy protesters as people who were trying to change policy at quote-unquote gunpoint. Yeah, that's not inflammatory language. And that she refused to negotiate with people who hold democracy hostage. I, I, I seem to recall another group of people that hold democracy hostage. A group of people that said, you can't fly, go to restaurants, see your elderly relatives, or work unless you put poison in you. But because that group of people are the elites and the betters, then they're allowed to do it. So truly astounding language from Christia Freeland. So she was asked, can you explain that comment that we will never support negotiating with those who hold our democracy hostage. This was her answer. I think it's pretty self-explanatory, she said. I don't think it's healthy for any democracy for policy to be made at gunpoint, if you will. No, no, just policy to be brought down in tyrannical fashion. That she's okay with. That she's totally for. She also told the commission that she felt Canada was a powder keg. She said, quote, I felt that Canada was sort of a powder keg and that you could have a violent physical altercation at any point, Freeland said. Like in Audible, when the police officers beat down my friends and pepper spray them and pushed over little little women with Canadian flags draped around them like capes, that kind of violent altercation. In a redacted readout of conversations that Freeland had with bank CEOs on February 13th, so the day before the act is invoked, The bankers tell Freeland that because cryptocurrency platforms are unregulated, it's a challenge for the financial systems to do anything to stop the transfer of money into the hands of the protesters. I mean, we can't be tyrants if we can't get our hands all over it, is basically what they're saying. Later in that conversation, the unknown banker tells Freeland that if you label the protesters as terrorists, it would make the jobs of the banks easier to shut down the transfer of donated funds. "Quote: I am told this is public. This is a public safety lead. But if you list them as people subject to sanctions, i.e., as if they are terrorists, we could act swiftly." The banker told Freeland on February 13th. "Just call them terrorists, and then we can be tyrants." Which, Another bank. Which a-
0: Andrew, yeah. as despicable as that may be, that would also not need the invocation of the emergency Correct. act. That's
1: despicable.
0: Right. Terrible, wicked, but that's also another measure that could have taken place without the invocation of the Emergency Act, just so everybody's aware of that reality.
1: So another banker on the same call cautioned the government about their attempt to use banks to achieve a political goal. Sounds like a little bit of sanity. Quote, I'm very concerned about seeing the banking system being used as a political weapon of the government. We can't politicize the banks, one banker told Freeland to which Freeland respond Freeland responded, hold my beer. you don't think we can politicize banks? just wait no she didn't I mean that's what she that's what she meant, but she didn't say that. What she said was explain that. That was her response. What, what do you mean we can't we can't use the banks as, as a political arm well how, how how can this be? This is what the banker said. if we are directed to close accounts, That could be seen by critics as the sector being used as an arm of the government, which it is. That's exactly what it is, and that's exactly why the invocation of the emergency. This is exactly why, by the way, you had people pulling their bank, pulling their money out of banks in quick measure, and move. That's what I did. I'll call. I was banking with TD. And they've been going more and more woke. And we've been thinking, you know, where do we go? All the big banks are the same. The moment bank accounts were frozen and TD, one of the big banks said, yeah, just, uh, you know, we'll, we'll offer up bank accounts. We'll, we'll do it on our own. Mm-hmm. My family, my church were like, we're out. That's it. We're over. No more of that. And so this is it. So what they're worried about actually happened. And people did do just that. And this is one of the reasons why by the way i've spoken to some people involved in the financial sector this is one of the reasons why they believe that the act was so quickly revoked because you had these same bankers reaching out to the federal government saying do you have any idea what your decisions (laughs) have done to us millions and billions of dollars have been pulled out of our banks out of our investments People like me move their RRSP, their RESP, Tax-Free Savings mm-hmm. Account, which is get, get it out of the big banks. And then because they're all about that money, honey, they freaked out and told the government, you need to you need to stop this right now. So I mm-hmm. believe that's part of the decision to revoke the act is because, uh, because of the same concerns that were raised. It wasn't
0: needed in the first place. <laughs> and then B, um, it, it really created a whole lot of bad fallout. Um and and obviously, when it comes to money and and these power hungry um tyrants that that rule our nation, that is like the one thing that, that might get them to move. and and I think you're right in in how you've assessed the whole situation there, Andrew, is that was a reactionary thing. and I think it was spurred on by a lot of the banking sector. and the the, the fact of the matter is, realistically i do believe the emergency act was invoked primarily to go after the the funds and the bank accounts and then also to capture as a part of the um ea this time they captured all sorts of um other financial assets under the ea that aren't actually capturable uh like crypto and and mm-hmm crowdfunding stuff as well. So they really use that that was their heavy handed approach. And it was primarily to go after the funds. Um and to cut off that line of access for for the
1: protesters. The other option, stuff. The other option of course is that the banks went over Trudeau's head to his supervisor mm-hmm. and called 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 Dr. Evil himself, Klaus Schwab and said, <laughs> Can you please tell, can you please tell your employee yeah. Right. In, in, in the Canada office to pull it back. And then he called <laughs> Justin. He said, Ooh, Justin, you there's too much problems you're causing now. You've got to undo <laughs> the thing you've done with the banks. So they're calling me up so saying there's a problem with the money. And mm-hmm. then, you know, then our prime minister kind of checked his hair in the mirror to make sure that he looked good and then came and said, hey, uh, mission accomplished. We trampled an old lady with a horse. We arrested a bunch of people for praying for police officers and we seized all those bank accounts. So we're good. Yay. We can, let's go back to normal or, or that could have been that too. Or some, some, somewhere in between those two. I'm just speculating. <laughs> what do I know? Except <laughs> that this is clearly the case. That's all. Other than okay. That. So let take, us take ra- this home. Here we go. Yeah.
0: Let us. So big day, big day. Here we go. The cl- just climax, this. Day yep. 31. The end of this six-week commission uh, public order emergency inquiry uh, led us to the testimony of a right-honorable prime hypocrite, as you call him, Justin Trudeau. On the final testimony, Prime Minister Trudeau, under questioning from Canadian civil Liberties Association, the CCLA, lawyer Iwa Krajuska, Trudeau was asked about the plan that RCMP Commissioner Brenda Lucky had approved uh, on February 13th, one day before the invocation of the EA, to clear protesters from Ottawa using existing laws. We heard evidence from Commissioner Lucky of the RCMP that she had signed off on a plan to enforce and remove the protesters from Ottawa on February the 13th that she was confident in. That she, the OPP, the Ontario Provincial Police, and the OPS, the Ottawa Police Service, had confidence in. Did you hear that testimony? Krajuska asked Trudeau. No, I disagree with that, Trudeau responded. I do not believe that the plan that was either signed off on supposedly by the RCMP or presented by the OPS on the 13th was in any real regards an actual plan for clearing the protests. When asked if this was a plan that Trudeau actually read himself, he responded, I was spoken to about it. I did not see it myself trudeau then said that despite not reading the plan himself the federal cabinet did not have confidence in it kraduska put to trudeau when invoking the emergency act that the threshold the level of threshold of the security threat that must be met cannot be any lower than it is when CSIS is proposing to surveil one person that the threshold is no different. Do you agree with that? Yes, I do, Trudeau, responded. Then we come to the exchange, the piece de resistance um, that got a lot of coverage throughout the the um, the postmortem of the hearings. And that's an exchange by Krajewska and Trudeau when she asks him about his behavior throughout the convoy. Let's roll that clip.
1: A number of people have testified in this inquiry referencing your widely published comments and calling the unvaccinated racists and misogynists. And we have heard testimony in this inquiry about how some of your officials wanted to label protesters as terrorists. Would you agree with me that one of the most important roles of a prime minister is to unite Canadians and not divide them by engaging in name calling? Uh, I did not call people who were unvaccinated names. False. I False. There a Perjury. Between yeah. people who are hesitant to get vaccinated for any range of reasons and people who deliberately spread misinformation that puts truth at risk that people who tell the truth that's what he means of <laughs> yeah. their fellow Canadians yeah. Yeah. people who actually read scientific studies and listen to real experts like Peter McCullough and Robert Malone those <laughs> people those people we can say stuff about
0: well good for us Andrew that uh, we actually have this wonderful thing called the internet that helps mm-hmm. us avoid being gaslit by dishonest actors like our right honorable prime hypocrite, the Justin Trudeau, uh, the Justin Trudeau. <laughs> I don't know why I use the definite uh, definitive article we, there. We but... need to
1: add a new. We need to <laughs> add a new title. He's now the prime perjurer too. Yeah, well, a prime perjurer. Yes, and
0: the reason we use that term and some of this strong language against him. His, his hypocrisy is blatant for everybody to see. Just watch this clip.
1: <laughs> Puis on sait, on en connaît tous des gens qui sont en train d'hésiter un petit peu, on va continuer d'essayer de les convaincre, mais il y a aussi des gens qui sont farouchement opposés à la vaccination. Ils sont extrémistes. Qui croient pas dans la science, qui sont souvent misogynes, souvent racistes aussi, c'est un un une petite un petit groupe mais qui prend de la place. For anyone who's listening like to audio, mm-hmm. maybe you heard, maybe if you're in Canada and you, you, have enough, you have enough Frenchy exposure, you caught some of the words. So basically what he said was there are people who are hesitant to put poison in their body that will blow up their heart and damage their ovaries. But we need to try to convince them. To put this stuff in them because we need to lower the world's population. But then there are other people who, for whatever reason, they don't want to. And then the host said, oh, yeah, they're extremists. And Trudeau's like, right, they are extremists <laughs> and they're anti-science and, and they're racist and misogynist. and misogynist. Oh, and by the way, we have to ask <laughs> what, ourselves, what, do we actually tolerate these people? Yeah. So. He just can you,
0: can we, Andrew. He just unzipped his grab yeah. bag and he just reached in for all yes. all the random terms that he could pull out of the grab bag. Racist, want, misogynist, I mean, yeah. we homophobe. Don't be, we don't
1: want to be <laughs> accused of 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 being purveyors of misinformation, right? We don't want to be dishonest. Can we put those together and we could just <laughs> slow it down, just like. Just to 0.75 times speed. Let's just slow it down to make sure we clearly understand what's going on here.
0: Yeah. we Let's not get our commentary in the way of what's actually being said. We'll play them side by side.
1: Uh, I did not call people who were unvaccinated names. Oh. Vaincre, oh. There are also people who are farouchement opposed vaccination. Yeah. They're extremists. Who don't believe in science. Who are Oh, misogynists. Or oh, the racists.
0: They don't believe oh. in science. <laughs>
1: they're oh. they're all the evil things.
0: They're now all the evil
1: things. Here's can I I just want to offer this quick bit of commentary <laughs> here and I just thought about this this morning. Mm-hmm. He might actually believe that he didn't call them names and here's why in his mind and in this godless cultural worldview if he really believes that we are misogynists and racists and that we are extremists then technically he's not calling us names he's just saying what he believes to be true in the same way that i would say if someone's a liar right like him Mm -hmm. And I say, you're a liar. And someone says to me, why are you calling him names? I'm not calling him a name. He is a liar. So I just realized that in his mind, in his depraved mind, in his Romans 1, futile in his thinking, utterly depraved mind, he might actually look at someone like me and say, well, I never called Andrew a name because he is a racist, misogynist, sexist, anti-science extremist. So I'm not calling him a name. So he might actually believe he's so deceived that he might believe that he is telling the truth while we objectively look at it and say, no, it's not true. And therefore, he has engaged in the most vile kind of name calling. Mm -hmm. But that it could be the case that that is just how darkened his mind is, that he is so firmly suppressing the truth of the knowledge of God that he actually believes. I didn't do any name calling. I call the sexist a sexist and a misogynist a misogynist. I call the racist a racist. That's that's appropriate. <laughs> he might actually believe that and that this, he, that's, he's doubly deceived now because of it.
0: Yeah, and he's such a sociopath that he doesn't even care if he's slandering um, other people. He just doesn't care about it. As long as it results in operational success, he does not care. And I think just everything we've seen here throughout this last week was the cherry on top of what the commission showed throughout andrew and that's the fact that it is so blatantly unbelievably transparent and obvious that the threshold for the invocation of the emergency act was not met all the actual legal standards were not met. They weren't in place, and it was over and over and over again verified throughout the testimonies. And all the government had and all the government officials and all their ilk had was a bunch of feelings, a bunch of people's feelings, and a bunch of extra-legal decisions, opinions on when it was appropriate or not to use the emergency act. and this was all taken without the support of the majority of provinces across our nation. It was all done after much of the um you know big threats like we're talking about the bear uh, the blockades, the borders were dispersed and it was all done andrew and this might be the most despicable part it was all done before any diplomacy was sought it never occurred to our elected officials that diplomacy was the appropriate way to deal with this situation why we've said it over and over again and it was echoed in um, christia freeland's testimony the, the legacy media working in cahoots with our government laundered stories into the media that the group of protesters were no good, vile, misogynist, racist, homophobe, white supremacists, terrorists. And they were looking for another January or a January 6th like event. Therefore, the government says like like Chrystia Freeland, we don't negotiate with terrorists, we don't negotiate at gunpoint, so we're not going to come to the t- table. Diplomacy is not an option at the start, and that's not based on the evidence, it's not based on the fact pattern, that is based on a ginned up narrative that the media and the government worked hand in glove to create and that's why they refuse to act appropriately. Um, and they they chose the draconian nuclear option instead. It is truly despicable, regardless of what happens in the commission. I'm glad the commission took place, um, because as we've been saying the whole time, regardless, I would like to see heads roll. I would like to see people being held accountable. But that's a matter of political will and not really up to the commission, sadly. Um, Maybe that's something that needs to be, you know, put into the act that there's legal ramifications to the misuse of this act outside of political will and the response of the people. But that's beside the point. What is really important is we got the mask slipped. We got to see who these people are. We got to see how they operate and we got to see how... Despite calling people lawless for two and a half years because they won't go along with their draconian mandates, they are the truly the lawless ones. They're the troublers of Canada. And we have to call that out. And we don't have to have a guilty conscience about it.
1: Yeah, our prime minister said something as well on that last day when asked about why he wouldn't meet with protesters. He was he was explicitly asked, why wouldn't you meet with them? And his answer Was essentially, if I meet with them, then I will legitimize the fact that protests can be used to change public policy. He actually said that. He said that they're 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 blockading, and it's not of a blockade. I'm not going to use that. That's a lie. It wasn't a blockade. That's not what happened at Windsor. That's a lie. But he said, "Here they are in the streets protesting, being a little bit of a disruption to the normal life in the swamp that is." Is Ottawa around the government buildings, but here these people are being disruptive, and they want to see a change in public policy. And he admitted that if I meet with them, I will be validating them, and it will it 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 might set a precedent that if people protest, they can actually hope to see change at the legislative level. And he admitted that I won't meet with them because I don't want want people to believe that they can do this and think that they can get their way. That's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. crazy. And that's
0: indicative of his spirit. He's an antichrist tyrant and that is so evident in his testimony in his spirit in his blatant lies and hypocrisy and gaslighting it's so evident you will know them by their fruit that applies to our government officials as well it just does we have to get over it and i think that's a brilliant point that you brought up he didn't want to set the precedent andrew that protests, organic protests from the people in a democracy we're told right Freeland uses that term all the time can lead
1: to actual change within society. They don't want you to get that impression and this and this is how he's a prime <laughs> hypocrite though because when 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 the when he responded to the convoy protest earlier, mm-hmm. he's also on record as saying well I, I mean I have attended protests when i agree with the yeah, protest, exactly. and he specifically names the blm protest i mean when i agree with it yeah. i'm all for it he, as I long as long as, it, as these, i don't like it
0: as long as race race can buy lavish mansions yes. i'm okay with as that long as i can virtue signal
1: and show up and make sure everyone knows but, i'm an ally but
0: andrew yes. i have to i have to interject because the point
1: that i want to make
0: is 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 i think is is really clarifying and i think it can put you know put this commission to an end. He doesn't want to set the precedent that you speaking out and standing up against government tyranny can change things. He does, however, want to set the precedent that the government at their fitful whims based on extra legal standards can evoke and the nuclear yep. option to crush you at any moment. That is indicative of who is sitting in our highest office in the land. And that is indicative of the administrative state in our country. And that is truly why, though nothing might come out of this commission, I'm thankful in God's providence that we've got to see the mass slip and we've got to see inside the swamp For what it is. Now, it's incumbent on us Canadians to hold these people to account. And that is going to take a lot of hard work and a lot of pushback. But I want to just highlight for you that that is what has taken place over this last bit of time and it's come out clearly in the commission. Andrew, do you have any comments to to, to wrap up this inquiry, to wrap up this commission? We've we've covered it substantially throughout the, the last six weeks. Uh, maybe you have some thoughts on, on what all
1: transpired. So I think that there, there are really two ways to view this public inquiry. And I think the two ways to view this public inquiry show just how polarized we are as a nation. That we were looking at the same event, the same series of hearings, but we come to completely different conclusions. And obviously if you are taking, if you're, if you're steady, diet is the legacy media, you'll come to one conclusion. And if you're actually searching for truth and going to other sources that are trying to be more objective and more honest, you'll get another conclusion. And so because of this, really, people view the inquiry into the War Measures Act two ways. There's two ways they see it. And I'm glad that the final day of testimony was Prime Minister Trudeau, because it has a lot to do with him. So there's one group of people that see the public inquiry results like this. (laughs) <laughs> I cannot not laugh at Right, that. I So there are some people that look at, at that. the public inquiry and see knockout. Mm-hmm. The federal government and the prime minister knocked out. No justification. All of the evidence contrary to it. Clearly, this is vindication. And this shows that it was total nonsense. But mm. that's not how all people see it. And maybe that's not even how most people see it, because there are people that look at the public inquiry and they see it this way.
0: Seeing as we have the best queens from around the world, we thought you deserved a proper welcome. Please
1: help me welcome to the Canada's Drag Race workroom, the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau! (laughs) Do I have to kiss Do I have to kiss his ring? And that, like, I just didn't choose that so because good. of the utter shame of our prime minister being on that show. I chose that because here he is. Mm-hmm. And that, what is that? That was a, that's theater.
0: Mm-hmm. That's,
1: that's a mockery, right? That's those where are, he's his most are, comfortable. Those, those are men appropriating women mm-hmm. and actually attacking the image of God in females and that which makes women uniquely women. Yet so that's, that's not theater, misogynist.
0: I don't, I don't know. Right, I
1: don't know. That's theater. That's a gong show. Mm -hmm. And they're celebrating him. And yay, he's here. And that one guy, do I have to kiss his ring? And so that's how people view the public inquiry. You either view it as an utter knockout, right? The federal government was punched in the jaw, lights out. Mm -hmm. Clearly, the truth is out there. But then there are other people who look at this and say, what a great prime minister we have. What a great job they did. Wow. We're so proud of him. And it exposes the and, fact and it, given his celebrity, they're they're happy to kiss his ring. Of course, of course they are. <laughs> they treat him yeah. with kid gloves. Mm-hmm. So this exposes the fact that we live in two different Canadas. Mm-hmm. Right? Canada is not a single nation anymore. No. We live in two different Canadas and people see our country very differently. Mm-hmm. And and this this dichotomy, there's a schism that exists in Canada. It is very difficult to bridge that gap, and that yeah. wedge has been driven by the legacy media, by the federal government, by the health officials, and really by a cultural Marxist behemoth that seeks to break people up into mm-hmm. their groups, into collectives. This and is the path that one this is the
0: path that was laid out in Expo sixty seven with uh, Canada's push towards multiculturalism. Mm-hmm. This is we're now seeing the fruit of that root and. It's created a divided nation. Um, And I think your points are well taken, Andrew, uh, as far as the wrap up is concerned on the commission. Um, Now, I think it's just in God's providence, this is all taking place at the same time as our second story. And I'm eager to get into our second story because I think It'll highlight the same spirit <laughs> that our government's taking. Maybe difference in degrees, but the same spirit.
1: Uh, before we get into that second story, Matt, there's a, a quick update. We want to do a quick spot of good news. But before that, I need to tell you about our friends over at Bull Bitcoin. Born out of the desire to separate money from the state, Bitcoin epitomizes freedom money, an uncensorable network programmed around digital scarcity where the individual is in full control and accountable for his own property. We just heard that. We just heard the banks telling Christia Freeland, oh, we can't really get a handle on this whole digital currency thing, this cryptocurrency, so let's shut their bank accounts down because they know that this is the case. Bull Bitcoin, Canada's most trusted Bitcoin exchange since 2013, is a 100% self-funded company led and operated by incorruptible activists for individual liberties and freedom. At Bull Bitcoin, security and privacy are priority. Customers' funds are transferred directly to their Bitcoin wallet in their own possession. With Bull Bitcoin, you never run the risk of losing your money. You own the money. Sign up at mission.bullbitcoin.com LCC and get started with your account's creation today. Contact Bull's best-in-the-business customer support team at any point to request assistance throughout the process. Take control of your money, mission.bullbitcoin.com LCC. Now, that brief update, that spot of good news we wanted to interject into our episode today is the fact... That there is a mask mandate that will not be coming for Ottawa schools. So you may recall Dr. Neely Kaplan Mirth, right? You can see the fear and the emotional instability in her eyes. Actually, Matt, do you want to throw that picture up now or will you throw it up in post? I'll
0: throw it up in post because okay, I, yeah. I don't I don't yeah, I should have prepared it. I forgot about That's fine.
1: it. Okay. But- You can see you you can see in this picture the fear and the emotional instability in her eyes, and if you've heard her speak, you can hear the terror in her voice. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and if you want to hear us uh, respond, have we had Dr. Peter McCullough on an episode with us to respond to her actual claims, uh, which has gotten garnered a lot of views? So we'll link that in the description below if you have yet to see the video do yourself a video or uh, do yourself a video, do yourself a favor and End definitely watch do both. It. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yes. Do You're definitely going to want to watch A wind 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 favor. Yeah. Yes. Well, Dr. 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 Mass formation psychosis actually <laughs> won her election and she's now a school board trustee in ottawa which by the way that's another fantastic reason to pull your children out of government indoctrination centers right and indicative them. of the swamp that is Ottawa. Yes. <laughs> remove them from woke state marxist training facilities or public yeah. school you can call it that but one of one of our one of our one of our missions here at the liberty coalition canada is to cut through the euphemism mm-hmm. so it's not really a public school it's a woke marxist training indoctrination factory, anyways yep. She's been doing everything in her power to put fancy muzzles on the faces of Canadians, including reinstating mask mandates for children in Ottawa schools. Here's the good news. Half of the school board trustees, six of the 12 of them, haven't been completely brainwashed by the COVID craziness, and they voted against the mask mandates, and Dr. Neely Crazy Eye's plan to further destroy our children was thwarted. So that's a little bit of good news, that at least six of the people on the school board aren't complete fools. <laughs> and they said, we can't put these things on our children's faces. All it's doing is bad stuff. So that's good that there's still a little bit of sane rationality left in school boards in the country. So we just wanted to highlight that a little and bit. say that's a cause for celebration. A
0: little bit. <laughs> Yes, no, it is absolutely a cause for celebration.
1: Before we move to our final story, we need to tell you about our friends at Red Balloon. I know that 2020 and 2021 feel like a lifetime ago, but if anything has happened in the midst of this public inquiry, it's bringing to mind all of the events of 2020 and 2021. And I remember businesses forcing their employees to muzzle their faces or businesses firing people unless they could prove that they'd put the experimental jab in them. Whatever happened to workplaces being about hard work, integrity, and respecting our rights and freedoms? That's why you need to connect with Red Balloon today. If you're a Canadian business that wants solid employees who don't care about having a woke, statist, ESG-friendly workplace, then sign up at redballoon.orgslash slash LCC to post jobs for great employees and if you're looking for a workplace that will respect your rights freedoms and conscience sign up at red slash lcc to find great employers let's make canadian businesses cancel proof and let's build a solid economy together at red slash lcc
0: In and andrew in God's providence, this next story is happening at the very same time that we're wrapping up this inv- uh, this inquiry into the invocation of the Emergency Act in our nation, which was done in response to mass protests across our nation, um, organically arising, done by the people who are frustrated with COVID ma- mandates and lockdowns. And that story that we want to bring to you is about the nation that is maybe the most draconian, the most authoritarian, the most evil in our world um, has some close competitors. But we're talking about China, Justin Trudeau's favorite nation due to their dictatorial power to be able to switch the economy off and on and just manage those inputs like a good tyrant. He loves that. That's gets to the speaks to the heart of who he is um his words not ours okay that's that's what he said about china we're seeing andrew over this past weekend mass protests that happened in china
1: and our audience so if you're watching this i mean if you're listening to it you're going to hear some stuff but if you're watching this especially by the way if you're listening to it For this episode, you need to make sure that you watch it on Rumble because you're (laughs) going to want to see the video clips that we've shown because you need to visually see what's going on. But if you're taking this episode in, you need to understand that what we are about to see, what we are about to hear is the rotten fruit fully grown. Mm -hmm. So the rotten fruit is plucked from the tree and it is poisonous and it is deadly and the tree has been growing that's what we're about to see what we just saw in the public inquiry is we saw that the seeds of that tree have not only been planted in Canada and have been watered for a couple generations now but the response of the federal government to the convoy protest is that seed beginning to break through the soil and starting to sprout and when that thing is fully grown it looks like what we're just what we're about to see right now so see the connection. Canada is in the seed sprouting mm. stage and China is rotten fruit off the tree stage. And left unchecked, this is what this is what this will become.
0: Absolutely. So as I mentioned, widespread protests broke out in China over the weekend as growing unrest continued due to the Chinese government zero COVID lockdown Policies and that disquiet within China has really led to a fever pitch. And now, what we're seeing is not only mass protests, but what some are calling an uprising in China. So, I want to play you a clip of various protests that broke. Across the nation now, not all of these videos can be totally verified, obviously. Um, but this is what's been coming out of China over the past weekend concerning these con- the 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 disquiet over these continued uh, lockdowns.
1: Oh. 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 Oh.
0: So, Andrew, that was just some of what took place over in China over this last weekend. And the reality of the situation is that starting on Friday, November 25th, thousands of Chinese citizens took to the streets across the nation to protest after a fire broke out on Thursday night in a high-rise building in China, killing at least 10 people in an apartment building in Urumqi in the northwest of China, according to the CBC. And um, in this province, uh, apparently people have been locked in their homes and under harsh mandates for four months. So, as news is coming out about that this story, many Chinese nationals blame the strict COVID policies in the province which included barricading people's doors, locking them in their facilities. And in some cases, we we've literally seen footage throughout this pandemic of Chinese officials literally welding people into their homes. We'll link a description uh, li- we'll put a link in the description below so you can see some of that um, so many of the people feel that the occupants were unable to flee and the f- firefighters were unable to respond to the fire adequately because of these COVID restrictions and we actually have some video that proves what they're saying is indeed the case here it is so as you can see firefighters shooting a hose at the building and it's not reaching
1: the top of the building because of the the
0: barricades that prevent people to get into the apartment complexes because of COVID. So it looks like, Andrew, based on this footage, that um, a lot of what these people were saying, and a lot of these fears that people had—that indeed the COVID mandates and restrictions and lockdowns, based on the zero COVID policy—they had a lot to do with uh, the inability of the firefighters to deal with this fire, and also trapping people inside the Skyrise. Um, it, it, and ultimately. Um, led to their their death. So that's what really sparked the protests in China.
1: And I mean, protests aren't unusual in China, especially mm-hmm. over the last year as frustrations boil over due to the tyrannical rule of the CCP and its leader, Xi Jinping. What's unprecedented, however, is the scope of the protests. So from Beijing to Shanghai and many other cities across the nation, protesters took to the streets many raising a blank sheet of paper as a sign of defiance to the Chinese authoritarian government, not only to signify the government censorship and silencing they live under, but as if to say, you're going to throw me in jail for holding up a sign that says nothing, right? Almost as a way of saying, you're actually going to do this. This is how you'll treat this protest. While protests remained peaceful and arrests were few in Beijing, in Shanghai, video emerged of protesters calling for Xi Jinping's resignation. This is what that sounded like. By the way, if you're watching this right now and you're not listening on audio, you just sprinkle a little bit of snow on there yeah. and it's all all it looks, i can do is think about being an it just this yeah. looks like to looks being like in ottawa yes yeah. of officers in there <laughs> and a peaceful protest being disrupted by officers it's a little it's actually a little weird emotionally yeah. to watch yeah. the video because i i have i have videos on my phone from oh that would never seeing happen this, in canada yeah, <laughs> seeing that it's not seen except there was snow
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: It's wild. So, I mean, in response to the protests, the Chinese government has erected many barricades. Which, by the way, is exactly what the Canadian government did. So, if you if you don't see the seed to fruit thing, if you if you look at us and say, Andrew, Matt, you guys are being far too you're you're over exaggerating. This will never happen here. That's China. That'll never happen here. We'll never have a social credit score, which we 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 kind of were working towards it, and it'll never happen here. No, no, no. <laughs> we literally it's, had an inquiry. It happened here. Downtown same Ottawa yeah. is still blocked off. Yeah, it you is. Cannot drive a vehicle on Wellington Street mm-hmm. to this yeah. day. So we have still erected barricades Anyway, so the the, the 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 Chinese Canadian almost the same thing. Uh, <laughs> they've erected many barricades in public spaces across Chinese cities. To prevent further gathering. same thing. Where it's, we've taken a book right out of there. We've taken a page right out of their playbook. And now, and don't be like, su-
0: surprised if they say this is for the safety
1: and well being of Chinese citizens. That is what citizens. they're saying. though. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> sure. what they're saying. We need to barricade it because you can't gather together. Yeah. Right now, if there, if there were some sort of government sanctioned protest, it would be fine. But obviously, <laughs> right. So yeah. Despite the backlash, however. Uh, Xi Jinping and the CCP show no signs of relenting on their zero COVID policies.
0: Absolutely, man. And I mean... The The footage is stark. It is shocking. We do what we would. Uh, you can kind of hear the commotion in the videos if you're just listening. But we do recommend that you watch this podcast because especially to see what's what's happening in China. As I said, not all the videos can be verified. But um, I know for a for a fact that many videos like what we just played for you are circulating on the Internet um, about these protests that are are spontaneously arising, and you said, Andrew, the scope is what's really interesting. There's been localized pushback and movements that have happened. But now we're seeing in response to this tragic event, um, protests happen across the nation all at the same time. And in that situation in Shanghai, to their potential, you know, death, (laughs) They're calling for the removal and the resignation of Xi Jinping, um, the eternal leader, it would be, suppose, of China. And I just want to remind people that these lockdowns that we've seen across the world, China was the model for these. So it's the philosophy that undergirds all of the lockdowns that we've seen in Australia, Canada, throughout different European nations, um, throughout the United States of America, that policy was smuggled into our nations by way of China. It went China, Italy, Italy and Lombardy were the first Western area and province of a nation to instill these COVID lockdowns and mandates like China. And then Italy was used as the justification for other Western nations to jump on board with these Chinese style lockdowns. And Deborah Burke has even commented, she was surprised that they could implement such draconian measures in the West. And had it not been for Italy... Um, they wouldn't have been able to do that. I'll link an entire article that lays this out really brilliant from the Brownstone Institute. So you can read that if you want to know more. But the the main point that I want to drive home to people is what we've just lived under for two and a half years, the world over, nations over, is modeled after China. So it gets to the very point that you're making, Andrew. The difference isn't um, in philosophy, it's in degree. So we're we're just building. The shoot is just leaving the ground from a seed long planted in Canada and other various Western nations. But it's in full bloom and bearing awful fruit in China. And that's that's what these videos, these protests are indicative of. And it's really based on, Andrew, what we've talked about over and over again, this mindset that the chief goal, the chief responsibility of government, of the technocratic state, is to keep its citizens safe from real or even just imaginary threats like climate change. Um, And to do that, they can suspend all laws All God-given rights, so long as they baptize it in this uh, narrative that it's for your own good and it's for your own well-being. And that is the very tyrannical mindset that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ recognized in the rulers of the Gentiles, the Roman um, Empire. That they set themselves up as their benefactors, so they can rule over you and and keep you in your place and maintain their power. And that's the impulse that is, it totally made manifest in China, but is it? it, It's in seed form. It's in the under. May might be more under the surface here in Canada, but we're seeing it, and we've seen it um, displayed over the last two and a half years, and you know, further confirmed with with the inquiry uh, into the invocation of the Emergency Act.
1: So we come now to the point of our episode where our audience might be thinking, "Okay, so the inquiry is over. So between me and you, Matt, and between everyone listening, Mm -hmm. I don't think anything's going to come of it. I personally I could be wrong but I don't think anything will come of it. It might be a slap on the wrist maybe, but I don't see any action. I don't see charges being laid. I don't see any real punishment coming. I think that the the federal government may, may offer up a few scapegoats, a few sacrificial lambs to pay the price, but nothing, nothing significant will be coming down out of this. And so if that's the reality, and if what's been exposed is an utter totalitarian regime, just they are the law, and we see what's going on in China... Our audience might be thinking, "Okay, well, now what? Thanks, China's the, the full fruit in China is is awful, poison fruit, and the seeds have started to break through the soil, and so the situation's rather grim. What do we do? Uh, how do we respond? What, what, what's the hope? What's the goal? Well, I think that little story in the middle is the is the starting place for how I want to respond to that question that you might be asking." Because all it would have taken was one more Marxist on the Ottawa school board to vote for the reinstating of mask mandates, and then children in Ottawa would have their faces covered again for the rest of this year. And so the simple fact that you had six sane people on that school board is why that motion was defeated. And so this is one of the reasons why we believe that politics is not the savior Politics is not going to make Canada a Christian nation. Politics won't usher in the kingdom of God. We get that. We understand that. The reality is that as Christians, we are called to engage in the political, in the social sphere. It doesn't mean every Christian runs for office, but it means some do engage politically and others pray for them and support them and encourage them and provide solid home bases and churches where they can come back having gotten beaten up in the world and getting bandaged and encouraged and sent back out to fight again in the culture war. And so think seriously about cultural political engagement. That's why Christians That Care exists. It exists because we want to train Christians to think Christianly and biblically about political engagement and go and get involved in that sphere so that we can hope to infiltrate some of these institutions in a good way so we can protect our children, so we can protect our freedoms. So be involved, be engaged, connect with ChristiansatCare.net and get involved, find out who's running in the various elections, do your work, do your research, and really consider as well if you might be the right sort of person to engage in the political sphere. So that'd be the one thing, engagement's important. Another thing, and, and this is part of the launching pad, is... In light of what we've seen and what's happening, the worst thing that you could do right now is say, everything's kind of back to normal. So I guess we can go back to the way things were. I'm back at work. I don't see very many masks. All the vax mandates are gone. So I guess, you know, we kind of, whew, that was a difficult two and a half years, but we made it out of it. And now, yet no, you're wrong. You're wrong. That's not what's going on. One of the most foolish things you could do is say, we're back to normal. Let's kind of go back. We're never going back to whatever it was before March 2020. And the truth is, I think we've come to realize we don't want to. Now, the ugly face of tyranny has been pulled off of our federal government. We see them for who they are. We see what they want to do. The WEF globalist agenda, the cultural Marxist behemoth is on full display. It's not hidden anymore. It's out in the open. So I'm glad for the exposure. I'm glad that COVID was a great revealing. So you cannot simply say we're going to go back to business as usual. What you must do, what you must do is you must, in your heart, before the Lord, commit to obedience, commit to righteousness, and commit to doing what your conscience would tell you to do and not being willing to compromise. You must seek the Lord in his word, in prayer. You must be built up in your faith. And you must you must resolve be resolved that I won't compromise. I won't take part in the lies. And I will not in I will not be a part of this charade anymore. And then the next thing you need to do is you need to surround yourself with like-minded believers who will do the same. I'm gonna say something where right? I've said this before, I know it's contentious, but if you're a part of a church that shut down for long and they forced you to wear masks and they 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 had all these. Distancing mandates. If the leaders of that church have not yet repented, if they have not said, Hey, listen, we're sore. We were wrong. It turns out the science was not on our side. We won't do it again. Leave that church. Leave that church. If they refuse to repent, leave. But where do I find a good church? Well, email me, churches at liberty coalition I will help you find a church that will be bold with men that have spines, that will be able to stand because even though the COVID stuff might be on the way out, the climate. Tyranny is on the way. The radical LGBT sexual agenda is on the way more and more. And you need to surround yourself with like-minded believers who are solid and resolved to support one another. And then you need to think about building a strong community. Get your kids out of government schools. Start homeschooling. Start thinking about classical Christian schools. Don't only rely on going to the supermarket for your groceries. Think about self-sustaining yourself. Get to know local farmers. Go to farmers markets. Think about other ways other than depending entirely on someone else. Get your money out of big banks. Christians should be thinking about starting their own credit unions, their own lending institutions. Connect with our friends over at Rocklink. Go to Rocklink. Email them at info at rocklink.com so you can find good places to invest your money, to have it so it's not being controlled and manipulated by woke monsters. Think about these things. Think about Christians starting businesses, Christians actually being entrepreneurial. You need to gather with like-minded people and build strong communities that will what? That won't just survive the cultural storm that's coming for us, but will be able to thrive in the midst of it. We don't just want to weather the storm. We want to thrive. We want to push back. We want to hand a strong church and a strong culture to our children and to their children so that when... And I'm sorry to say this, so that when the rotten fruit is in full bloom here in Canada, and I'm convinced it is, I don't think that there's a stopping what has already begun. When the tree is fully grown and the fruit is fully rotten and Western civilization, Christendom 1.0 as we know it, is collapsed and over, Christians will do what Christians have done for thousands of years, which is rebuild cultures. So your job is to surround yourself with like-minded people, engaging culturally, engaging politically, trusting and seeking the Lord together, doing gospel work and evangelism and ministry, building strong communities, building parallel cultures, rebuilding new institutions, so that when Western civilization has fully collapsed, you will be able to have handed something over to your kids and their kids, to build a strong christendom 2.0 mm-hmm. to build a strong revitalized brand new western culture that's your job and if you think that we're going back to normal and if you don't think that we're in the twilight and the demise of western culture you're not those videos like i said put sprinkle a little bit of snow on it that mm-hmm. was ottawa for 3 weeks mm-hmm. so yeah. Do the work that I, and Andrew, done.
0: Andrew I, I think I echo a lot of the similar sentiments. Obviously, I think our different esch- eschatological views might have um, the success of we might differ on the success of pushback and the inevitable collapse uh, of Western civilization. I, I certainly think we're headed that way and it's going to be hard to stem it off. But I I do want to just to borrow your um, analogy of, of the 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 seed to the fruit uh, I if I'm not a horticulturalist but I've done weeding and it's much easier to pull out trees that roots have not sunk firmly into the soil than, those that are full bloomed and um, and are sprouting fruit um, because you generally need all sorts of crazy machinery, axes, tools, saws, whatever it might be. But you can literally just pluck trees up with your hands if their roots are not dug thoroughly deep in into the soil and they have not totally... Uh, gone to full full bloom. So that's what we have to do in culture. We're recognizing we, first. We have to come to the realization that, um, sadly, like you've said, there's so many men in churches who say, "Oh, hey, Canada's not under persecution because we're not China." Look at look at China. We're not we're not being persecuted. Look at China. But we have to come to the realization, like we're talking about. They're at the fruit stage. We're at, we're at the sprouting up. We're going to get there because we can't help but get there because of the same underlying philosophies that undergird our managerial totalitarian state as are in place in China. And, you know, WEF, all the stuff that we've talked about at length on the program, um, their model is China. Now, they're trying to compete or build a competing version of what China's trying to do. And they think they're more benevolent dictators than than the Chinese. But nevertheless, that's what they're looking forward to. And that's why our prime minister can literally just baldly say that he, he admires what the Chinese do. We have to come to the realization that, yes, the seed is planted. We're in serious issues. The roots are digging deep. We have to uproot that tree lest we become China and that full fruit bloom we have to wake up to that reality and fight back. And that's why the LCC exists. So we can diagnose these issues. And so we can push back against them. And we can stand firm in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're calling for you, our dear listeners, to help support us in the work we're doing here at Liberty Coalition Canada, because there's lots of work ahead of us. Just as Andrew said, we're not out of the woods. This isn't done. This isn't going away. They're not going to go dormant on a lot of these plans just because people are starting to wake up and push back just because you know there's being a limited hangout. We're kind of getting to peer behind the veil. That's not going to stop them. These people are fully committed to their ideological ends. And unless we fight back, if we uproot this tree... They're going to realize it. So help support us here at the Liberty Coalition Canada, because we're fighting all this nonsense. We're doing it legally. We're doing it through grassroots initiatives. And we're also doing it through our weekly news and analysis on the program, like the Liberty Dispatch, like Open Mic and uh, Liberty Lounge. So... We've also partnered with Christian Week to uh, help keep aggregating Christian news through that site. We're also going to get into some commentary, editorial analysis. We want to get into print media so we can just keep bringing the Christian world and life view to bear on uh, our culture, on the various things that are happening. So that's really exciting. And plus a bonus, if you donate to the news and analysis through Christian Week, you can get a charitable tax receipt as well. So, we really appreciate all your support. We do love and appreciate that you tune into the program. We do mean that. I know all the people that we met at Waterloo just uh, a couple weeks ago. They I know met how more much.
1: Last week as well, I was at a I was at a I was at a PPC event in oh, okay. Burlington. Go. I got invited to go because a friend of mine was one of the speakers at this okay. gala. And mm-hmm. I was there, and there again, there were a bunch of people who oh. came up, and they were like, "That's awesome!" Oh yeah, Liberty, Liberty Dispatch. You guys have a show, and they're, they're, <laughs> they always people our our, our audience. By and like I said this last episode, you guys are the best. Like you're yeah. simply the best. Yeah. But but what they say are things like, "Thank you for not only speaking, for for only declaring what's true from a biblical worldview, but thank you for helping me realize I'm not crazy. Thank you for helping me realize that." <laughs> that I am seeing the world correctly. And Mm -hmm. so our audience is being equipped. They're being built up. They're being, they're engaging. And so this is, this is why we exist. It's not just, here's the Mm -hmm. news. It's here's the news from a biblical perspective, from a Christian worldview, a conservative worldview. Absolutely. Build you up to train you. So that what? So that you realize you're not crazy. Mm -hmm. So that you can build the process (laughs) of really what is the Christian life, right? The, 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 the cultural mandate, is building and fighting we build Mm -hmm. we fight sword and trowel we build Mm -hmm. and we fight
0: yeah and and that's what we're engaged in at the lcc so we really appreciate your support and we really appreciate the fact that you tuned in until next time galatians 5-1
1: thanks for tuning in to liberty dispatch a united front to restore
0: liberty and justice in canada please subscribe to our podcast and rumble channel as well as visit our website at www.LibertyCoalitionCanada.com.